Alright, alright. Welcome to Drop Pass Podcast, buddy. I bet you're here to hear my thoughts concerning the Western Conference since last week we moved over to the Eastern Conference and made some bold predictions regarding teams as well as some other players. So in that case, you are just in the right place at the right time. Because the Western Conference is on the table in this episode and same protocol also applies to this week's episode. So in a nutshell, we go through each team while trying to predict their positions in the standings, top scorers and breakout stars for the new season. And we'll end the analysis by throwing out a hot take regarding that specific team. So lots of fireworks is to be expected in this week's episode again. This week though, we are going to leave the unnecessary small talk for later since we have enough talking points as it is and therefore the intro music should be appearing right about now as we kick off another episode as we usually do so without further ado let's get going And we are on the road again. Western Conference on the hot seat this week. And since it's been seven days since our last meeting, let's go over some injury reports since we've already seen few quite substantial injuries which will have their effects on their respective teams without a doubt. The latest additions to IR lists that didn't get mentioned during last week's episode include Matt Murray, Andre Kashe, Rasmus Ristolainen, Mike Matheson, Connor Brown, Jake Muzzin, Brandon Carlo, Aaron Ekblad, Malcolm Subban, Tyler Bertuzzi, Cam Atkinson, and Owen Tippett, in addition to a few others who will be mentioned in this episode. Most of these guys are still waiting for evaluations regarding their injuries, but for the most part, these injuries will most likely keep these guys out of their respective lineups for from few weeks up to few months but we will get the confirmations once the teams have commented on their situations. Jakub Vrana will also miss some time after entering the player's assistance program, and I'm glad to see that he is working towards getting back after major injuries. I wish him a quick recovery. Some teams have already started panicking thanks to their woeful starts, and some teams have looked better than most of us expected, but... Let me remind you that there's still over 70 games left and a lot will happen in between this exact moment and the end of the regular season. So keep your cool and focus on enjoying the best sport in the entire planet. It's time to go over the Western Conference though. And just like in the East, the battle for available playoff spots is going to be fierce. Where only few teams are volunteered for point machines, but... Overall, the West is going to be as tough as it has been through the past few seasons. We're going to start the walkthrough from the Pacific and end the episode with teams from the Central. And in case you don't want to listen the entire episode and just cherry pick your favorite team, timestamps can be found from the description so that you don't need to randomly scroll through the entire episode. But that's about it. Let's get this thing going from California, where the first team on the board is going to be the rebuilding Anaheim Ducks. Last year, 7th spot in the division, and unfortunately, I just don't see many reasons to believe that their placement this year will change dramatically from the previous season. They had a relatively busy offseason, as the additions included names such as Frank Vatrano, Ryan Strom, Oli Olavi, John Klingberg, Dimitri Kulikov, Nathan Beaulieu, and their most recent waiver acquisition, Brett Leeson. Meanwhile, players that left the team this summer included Ryan Getzlaff, Andre Suster, Jacob Larson, Gerald Mayhew, Buddy Robinson, Greg Patterin, Sam Steele, Dominic Simon, Zach Astorese, Jos Mahura, and Sonny Milano. Like in Chicago, Montreal, Arizona, and a few other cities, the rebuild is in progress in Anaheim. And their last year's early success was pretty much like a shooting star which faded away once the real game started around the All-Star break. Their future is looking extremely bright and once again their young players will bring the entertainment value to the table while earning their credentials in the big league. They on paper possess a nice combination of youth and experience but in my opinion they're veterans. 
are not pivotal enough to suddenly make them a contender in the division, mainly due to their young guns such as Zegris, McTavish, Terry and Drysdale, who are still learning the ropes on the top level. They will find wins every now and then, but in the big picture, I believe that without a major surge in the beginning of the season, they will situate themselves to the bottom half of the league and get ready for the upcoming draft where they have another chance to grab home another blue chip prospect. Urho Vakonainen currently is the only player missing from their lineup and last year Troy Terry was their top scorer with 67 points in 75 games, but if Joman Zegres is ready to take the spotlight in Anaheim, he should stand on top of their scoring table at the end of this season. Breakout candidate-wise, I'm a true believer in McTavish's ceiling and therefore expect him to notch respective numbers in his first full NHL campaign. 40 points will be the target, and if he wants to fight for the Calder, that total needs to be higher, but we'll see what he's able to accomplish alongside last year's Calder challenger and the absolute fan favorite Zegris. Jacob Perro, could see some ice time in the bright lights as well, so keep your eye on that guy as well. And as a hot take, I'm going to say that Max Jones, who has only been able to play 48 games through the past two seasons, starts his comeback campaign and records plus 35 points this year with the Ducks. Ryan Stroman career high 60 points would be impressive as well, while Max Comtois needs to get back to his former level if he wants to be part of this team past this season. So lottery finish is what I'm expecting from this team and we will return back to them once it is time to see who's going to win the grand prize from next summer's lottery. And by the way, John Gibson isn't an elite goaltender and the numbers back that statement, even how badly some of you might think that it's still the case. Next on the line, we have the Calgary Flames who are one of the favorites to grab home the big one this year. They were active in the offseason as they took part in one of the biggest blockbusters of the past two decades and also lured in a recent Stanley Cup winner to strengthen their center depth even more. Eric Branson, Johnny Goudreau, Ryan Carpenter, Kale Kroc, Matthew Kachuk and Sean Monahan left the team this summer. Meanwhile, Kevin Rooney, Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger and Nazem Kadri came in to make them even bigger threat on the contender front. They finished the regular season as the first seed team in the division but lost to their bitter rival Edmonton Oilers in the second round and thus were eliminated from the playoffs after just five games. This made their front office consider their future with their current core and once Johnny Hockey had decided that he wasn't going to return to Calgary after the postseason, they started the facelifting operation and pretty much the entire core has now been revamped within the last few years. GM Brad Tree Living was able to turn a pile of dump into seeds and while many are expecting this team to fight for the cup already this year, I need some results from the playoffs before I'm willing to say that this team has what it takes to achieve that exact goal. Daryl Sutter will keep the team on a short list, there's no questions about that, and their team doesn't have that many spring chickens on their roster which is partly beneficial during the postseason. On paper without questions they have extremely strong roster which has firepower up top, defensive and physical presence on the bottom six, good mix of puck moving ability and defensive capability on their back end. And finally, their starter is among the elite of the league, so I fully understand why people are expecting big things from this team this year. Oliver Shillington is currently the only player missing from their lineup, and currently there is no clear timetable for his return. Last year, Johnny Hockey was their leading scorer with 115 points and right behind him, came another player that left the team this summer, so the obvious choice here should be the guy that just recorded the best point total of his career, and his name is Jonathan Huberdeau. Can they establish great chemistry with Lindholm is a great question to ask, and how much can we expect from Kadri, who also just registered career-high numbers for the Avs, is another puzzle to be solved. Their production has been in question at certain points and while I'm expecting big years from their additions, point-wise, I wouldn't expect them to reach same totals as they did just a year prior. But when it comes to their breakout candidate, since their roster is fairly experienced and they don't have that many prospects on their lineup, 
I have to stick with Dylan Dupe, who had a pretty impressive postseason and is young enough to make his mark on the roster if he earns some extra ice time. I'm not expecting huge point totals, but 40 points, for example, would be very achievable, at least in my eyes, given his skill set, tenacity, shot, and skating ability. Jacob Pelletier was one of the last cuts from the roster this year, so hopefully he gets some ice time up top this year as well. And since this team is loaded on all fronts and it was hard to come up with a reasonable hot take, I'm going to say that they will make the playoffs, but just from a wildcard spot. This would mean that at some point they would really need to dip, and I guess there is a small chance of that happening. So I'm going to go with that one, just so that we can get at least something on the board. Very unlikely, but it's better than nothing. But as I mentioned, this team is without questions one of the top contenders in the league this year, and without a major collapse, they should see themselves at least on the second round, if not even further than that. We'll see how well this team gels together and if Daryl Sutter is able to guide this team to the promised land after such massive investments during the offseason. And if the Flames belong to the top teams of the league, same applies to their province rival Edmonton Oilers, who as well addressed their biggest weakness in the offseason. Jack Campbell was added to their crease to be their sole number one guy in net, while Ryan Murray and Matthias Janmark were added to bring additional depth to their lineup. Meanwhile, Mikko Koskinen, Zach Cassian, Duncan Keith, Josh Archibald, Colton Sevier, Carl Turris and Derek Brassard were players that left the team this summer, so all in all, didn't lose that much in the offseason. Currently, they are in a good place injury-wise and recent rumors have linked Jacob Chikrin to the organization, so it will be interesting to see if they aim to add him to their blue line in the coming weeks. Last year they made it to the conference finals, but the Avs ended up being too much for them to handle, and it has to be said that Drysaddle's injury really hurt their postseason run, but it would be idiotic to think that this team would miss the postseason as long as they have their two-headed monster recording over 100-point seasons. Campbell's value can't be underestimated, and if they really want to challenge for the cup, their defense and goaltending need to be top-notch once the tough games start in the spring. Question about their depth scoring still remains, and there certainly are some questions about their defense, but as I said, it would be a major surprise if this team didn't see any postseason action this year. Last year, McJesus took the league scoring title and another plus 120 point season can be expected from this guy, given his non-human abilities. And when it comes to breakout candidate, I believe that both Ryan McLeod and Dylan Holloway will have strong seasons in depth roles for the Oilers squad. Stuart Skinner has also proven to be one of the more underrated goalie prospects in the league, so... I wouldn't be surprised if he posted above average numbers this year and really solidified his spot as their backup netminder. And when it comes to hot take, I mean, would the cup be out of the question if this team found some dead scoring and fortified its blue line before the playoffs? Because I don't think so, and that's why they are my runner-up for the Lord Stanley. They fought until the very last drop against the Avs in the conference finals with inferior goaltending, so... If Campbell is able to shut the door and their defense holds, only the sky is the limit for this team given their offensive firepower. This team, like the Leafs, are a very divisive bunch given their high expectations and the fact that they haven't reached any actual measurable results, meaning finals appearances, not to mention Stanley Cups, when possessing one of the league's deadliest 1-2 combos, but... I feel like this will be the year that McDavid really proves the world that he is the best player on this planet and takes this team far in the playoffs. Now he's seen McKinnon do it, which will certainly spark some kind of flame under his ass and bring his inner beast for the world to see. I would even go as far as say that they could have taken the cup if they would have faced the exhausted Bolts lineup in the finals, but the history is already written, so there's no need to play ifs and buts at this point. But all in all, I'm expecting big things from this franchise this year and really do hope that Campbell proves that he was worth the $5 million he got this summer. But next, let's head to Los Angeles. 
the Kings continued their march towards another playoff appearance with very similar roster to their last year's crew. Their only offseason addition this year was Kevin Fiala, who will undoubtedly bring additional offense to their top six. Meanwhile, Dustin Brown, Andreas Atanasiu, Oli Matta, Troy Stetcher, and Martin Ferk were the notable departures from their lineup. They were hit by major injuries last year, and quite honestly, it was surprising to see them in the playoffs altogether. This year, though, they have a healthy lineup to start things off, and their young bucks have got their taste of postseason action, which should give them some extra oomph for the upcoming season. Last year, they fell to the Oilers in the first round, but took them to Game 7, which was very promising on their part. And the main capitalist for their successful season can be found between their pipes, since Jonathan Quick was able to return to his near-elite form and really gave their team the chance to fight for a playoff spot in the West. And overall, I would say that their entire roster overachieved to a certain extent, since even though guys like Arvidsson, Dowdy, Brown, Edler and Walker were missing from their lineup for a significant amount of time, their level didn't end up dropping drastically, and for example, Kempe, Moore and Dursey had pretty impressive seasons related to expectations. Last year's third place is not out of question whatsoever, and especially if their top players stay healthy, they should see some postseason action this season once again. The biggest concern I have for them though can be found in the blue paint, since after signing Peterson to his 5 million per season deal, his level has dropped quite drastically, and Quick in recent years have had really up and down seasons, and I fear that it's going to be another down year for him based on his age and the sheer fluctuation in his performances. But we'll see if the last pick has now passed on his part and the inevitable fall begins, because that was the worry amongst Kings fans when the numbers began to drop during 18-19 season. And I think most of us can safely say that Peterson isn't the answer when it comes to their starting job. Otherwise, their core is looking pretty good. Not elite, but solid enough to fight for a playoff spot. And especially, it's great to see so many young guys on their lineup, because that always brings some additional electricity to the table. Last year, ageless Anze Kopitar was their top point producer. But if signs tell us anything, Adrian Kempe will run with the scoring title this year, since he gave us a real storm warming during the previous season. Anze will without a doubt record solid numbers this year again, and Fiala should be near the top as well, so offense shouldn't be their problem for the upcoming season. Breakout candidate-wise, I expect Gabe Villardi to take his next step this year, which means that he needs to stay healthy, but given his big frame, soft hands and good shot, 40 points shouldn't be out of the question whatsoever. I could also see Arthur Kaliev boost his totals as well this season and Sean Dersey to have another strong campaign on their back end, but we'll see how much ice time he sees now that Sean Walker is healthy and back in their lineup. And oh yeah, keep a close eye on Quinn on Byfield as well, because if he earns some top 6 ice time, we could see him racking up points like no other now that he seems to be fully healthy for the upcoming season. As a hot take, I'm going to say that they are going to put their eggs in one basket and make a real push for the playoffs on this year's deadline and make a real big investment, which leads them to another playoff appearance with home advantage. Currently, I have them outside of the playoff picture, so that should explain why I see this as a hot take, so we'll see if Quick can stop Pucks well enough to make that happen, but... Really, the only concern I have is their goaltending, since otherwise they would be a no-brainer for the playoffs. But at this point, I don't trust their partnership enough to believe that they will make it to the postseason from the West. Next on the line, we have the last remaining team from California, whose upcoming season doesn't hold too much promise, and that is the San Jose Sharks. Sixth place in the division is what they achieved last year, and I can pretty much say with confidence that it won't get much better this year either. Very, very mediocre roster on paper, excluding Meyer, Couture, Hurdle, and Carlson, and without solid goaltending, this team could be feeding on scraps if their players don't just magically elevate their games to new levels this upcoming year. This year's additions include Luke Kunin, Steven Lorenz, Oscar Lindblom, Nico Sturm, 
Matt Benning, Markus Nutivara, Evgeny Svechnikov, N. Scott Harrington, Walt John Leonard, Rudolf Spalsers, Nick Melock, Alex Taylock, Brent Burns, Ryan Zingle, Aiden Hill and Jonathan Delane left the team and their offseason moves pretty much tell the tale of their current heading, given that there's little to no room to maneuver thanks to Carlson's, Vlasic's and Couture's multi-year deals. Their core is seriously aging and even though they miraculously got Burns' contract off their hands, no one can come and tell me that this team is currently in a good place regarding their future. Okay, Hurdle was just signed long term, so there's something to build upon. And youngsters Bordillo and Eklund are currently cooking in the minors, so few glimpses of sunlight can be seen at the end of the tunnel. Because I mean, their situation kind of reminds me of the Flyers, where no one really knows if this team is a bird or a fish, because they as well have tried to dodge the rebuild for years now and have forced themselves in a situation where they have pretty much no other choice than to completely revamp their roster, because their window has closed, so... I feel really bad for their new GM, Mike Greer, who inherited this pile of nuclear waste. I can tell you that this rebuild is going to be costly and will demand time, so hopefully their fans are ready to experience another decade of mediocrity. Because besides Ferraro, Bertolo and Hurdle, their top prospects are not extremely high-valued and years away from the NHL, so it could take some time before this team will be seen in the postseason again. Add to that Meyer, who is bound to become an RFA this summer and the soup is pretty much ready for boiling. And you know, I don't really know what else to say because they don't raise a lot of emotions inside me other than desperation and therefore I'm intrigued to see what my career's vision for the team is going forward. After all, he's a very smart guy and I can only hope that he realizes the mountain he's about to face and seemingly the process has already begun with the deal he made with the Canes earlier this summer, so at least the hope is still alive. Last year Timo Meyer was the top scorer and if he doesn't end up leaving San Jose this season, I expect him to renew his title after all is said and done. Couture and Hurdle are pretty much the only other options, so you could pretty much go with any of these guys at this point, because... Each one of these will play on the same power play and only injuries will make a big difference when it comes to points scored. Breakout wise, it's pretty hard to pinpoint one player out of their current group since their top prospects will start their seasons in the AHL, but if someone ends up making their impact on the NHL level, it's going to be Thomas Bordillo who already registered few points in the games he played last year for them, so he's going to be my pick for the Sharks. I'm also intrigued to see how much Eklund has developed from last year since his point total wasn't exactly what many expected from him when he returned to SHL, so we'll see what kind of numbers he's able to put up in his first full campaign overseas. As a hot take, I'm going to say that Meyer gets dealt elsewhere before the deadline and earns a pretty lucrative deal with this new team. But dark days are ahead for Sharks fans and I can only feel sorry for you if you've chosen to root for this team. But next on the line, we have the Seattle Kraken. Kraken start their second official season from a relatively good situation where they've made their high picks count and both of their top prospects, Beniers and Wright, start their seasons up top. But the question still remains if Wright will be assigned back to CHL or if he ends up staying with the big boys. Their first year in the league certainly could have gone better, but the moves they've executed this offseason will benefit them in the long run and portray a better picture of the upcoming season. Martin Jones, Justin Schultz, Andre Burakovsky, John Hayden, Oliver Bergstrand and Michael Kempney were added during the offseason, while Connor Carrick, Hayden Fleury, Riley Shahan, Dennis Chalowski and Victor Rask moved elsewhere in search of more ice time and bigger paycheck. But despite higher expectations, last year's 8th place in the division won't probably get much better and a bottom half finish is at least what I'm expecting from this team this year. The roster is still work in progress and one can only hope that their goaltenders bounce back to acceptable levels, because last year was just awful on that department and if they want to win more than 23 games this year, that is an area which needs the most improvement. 
Chris Dreger and Jonas Donskoy currently are the notable names on their injured reserve list. And currently it is unknown how long these guys will be out of their lineup. Dreger underwent surgery this summer and could be out until the All-Star break, which isn't necessarily good news for a team that is currently seriously struggling with their goaltending. Last year Jared McKen was their best point getter with 50 points in 74 games, but if Burakowski is able to transfer his offensive magic to West Coast, he should be their top point man at the end of this year. Breakout candidate for this team is pretty obvious, since their first ever draft pick Matthew Beniers already showcased his skill set at the end of last year and gave an example of what to expect from him already this year. That's why he's my number one Calder candidate and with that is the home run option for the Kraken regarding their breakout star. 50 points is the target for the season but bigger point total wouldn't surprise me one bit or even if he reached the 60 point mark. As a hot take, I'm going to say that they will get two top 10 picks for the upcoming draft via deadline acquisitions. Another good one could be Burakowski's 70 point season, but that seems like a bit of a reach, so I'm going to stick with my guns and aim for the draft because they ain't going to the playoffs yet, and it seems like a reach to say that their goalies will suddenly correct their course and post above 0.910 save percentages, so. That's what I'm going to go with. Is the misery finally over in Vancouver and can they finally clinch a playoff spot from the top Western Conference? I fear not, even though I would love to hear the chance, Bruce, there it is, rallying across the Rogers Arena during the postseason. But how far from the playoffs they really are? Well, this year is going to answer that question. Andrei Kuzmenko, Curtis Lazar, Ilya Mihayev, Dagota Joshua, Colin Delia, Christian Wolanin, and Riley Stillman were added in the preseason, while Jaroslav Halak, Nick Petan, Matthew Highmore, Brad Hunt, Juho Lammikko, and Jason Dickinson departed the team, and at least on paper the team should have become stronger than what it was last year. But in my eyes there's still some work to do if they aim to finish in the top 3 in the division, and even though many still consider Central being the tougher of these two divisions, at least when it comes to playoff spots. There should be enough competition in the Pacific alone to really test how far they are from the top. Last year, they finished 5th in the division and missed the playoffs by 7 points. Now though, Bruce Pedro is behind their bench right from the start and the current injury list only holds two names, Tucker Pullman and Ilya Mihayev, so while it isn't a clean slate, it could be a whole lot worse, so I would say that they are looking pretty good on that front as well. Their top scorer JT Miller was just extended and has looked menacing through the first couple of games, so similar point total should be expected from him this year again. Meanwhile, without a doubt, Thatcher Demko will keep them afloat if it comes down to that at certain points. Quinn Hughes has become one of the most productive blue liners in the league, but it has to be said that if they want to battle for playoff spots at the end of the regular season, they are going to need bigger numbers from Elias Pedersen and especially Connor Garland, who hasn't yet reached the level many expected from him once he was acquired to their organization. But the biggest concern for me though is their defense, which mostly consists of aging veterans with bloated contracts, so will they be able to hold the line against, for example, offensive juggernauts such as Edmonton Oilers and Colorado Avalanche? I seriously doubt it, and in my mind, if they want to find success with players such as Shen, Myers, Pullman, and Ekman Larsen, they really need to step up or get packing, because currently this is their biggest weakness and Demko can only do so much, so GM Alvin has fairly challenging times ahead when trying to figure out that puzzle. And of course, probably sends a bottle of wine and a gift basket to Jim Benning on Thanksgiving for all the wise decisions he made during his tenure. But all in all, this team is capable of challenging the top teams in the league on a right day and holds certain surprise elements in their game, but can they consistently find those right days is the question and can, for example, names Besser, Garland, Höglander and Pedersen bounce back to expected levels and can the Russian combo of Podkolzin and Kuzmenko make their impacts this year, which would ease the load for the guys mentioned earlier.
This is a big question mark team in my papers, but currently I have them outside of the playoff picture and expect to see some changes before this season is finalized. When it comes to top scorer, as I alluded, Miller is my go-to guy to reclaim his title, but big years from Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes should make the race for a top scorer that much more intense. And it really wouldn't surprise me if Pedersen makes his return to top form and finishes the season within the top 10 in scoring. As a hot take, I'm going to follow my previous thought and say that Pedersen breaks the 80-point mark this year. Last year he recorded 68 points and really started to fire on all cylinders once Bruce took their bench. So point per game ain't too wild of a guess when you take into account who his linemates are and how skillful the guy is. But overall, I don't expect to see them in the playoffs this year yet. They first need to shed the bad contracts of their books before really going for it, while they still have to figure out their contract situation for the upcoming year. The last team from the Pacific Division is the Vegas Golden Knights, who had an underwhelming season last year related to expectations. Injuries really weakened the team last year and mostly, because of them, missed the playoffs by just three points. This year doesn't start that much better since their number one goalie option, Robin Lehner, is expected to miss the entire 22-23 season, while their backup, Lauren Brossois' return is in question as well after going an off-season surgery. This means that Logan Thompson has to carry the load in their blue paint, but even with great numbers from last year, questions still remain regarding his endurance, because he has never been a standalone starter on the NHL level. During the offseason they addressed that issue though, as they brought in Edin Hill from San Jose to add numbers to their crease. And alongside him, Phil Kessel moved to Sin City. Meanwhile, the departing flights were full of former Knights players, Yevgeny Dadanov, Max Pacioretty, Dylan Coughlin and Matias Janmark in the front row. And it's becoming really clear that this team is in the league to succeed and their moves paint the picture for them. In my mind, now though they are in a crossroad which will affect their future since currently they are in pretty good situation contract-wise and have a strong core which should be able to compete for the cup in the coming years. But if they continue to chase after every shiny object in the market, they will soon find themselves from the bottom half of the league and climbing back from that could be more painful than their front office might expect. After all, they hired Bruce Cassidy behind their bench, who we all know is one of the most respected and sought-after coaches in the league, and don't have big contracts to worry about until 2024, so the next two years will be very decisive for the organization overall. They don't have that many high-value prospects on their pipeline to fall back to if a rebuild is imminent, thanks to their past deals, so interesting times are ahead in Vegas, and I have no doubt that this team wouldn't be able to surprise us in the future because they've done so since coming to the league in 2017. Last year, Jonathan Marchesio was their leading scorer with 66 points in 76 games, but I believe that if their top guns Stone, Pacioretty, Eichel and Carlson would have stayed healthy, we would have had another name on the top of the list. And therefore, I expect to see a strong comeback season from both Stone and Eichel. Eichel is my top option for the title and another 80-point campaign shouldn't be out of the question with this team. When it comes to breakout candidate, I'm going to mix it with my hot take because I anticipate a big year from Logan Thompson and say that he's going to challenge for the Calder this year. He's the dark horse for many for the Calder race and since his first few starts last year, I've been a big fan of his and believe in his skills on the next level. He's going to need some assistance from the defense in front of him as well as some support from their other options in goal, but I feel like he will succeed this year and bring the Knights in the playoff conversation once again. And people also need to start appreciating Zach Whitecloud because he's slowly becoming one of the more underrated two-way pivots on the NHL, and if he keeps his level this year, he should earn more respect on the league-wide level. Paul Cotter and Pavel Dorofeyev are also names that you should look out for, and I hope to see a small jump in Nick Hague's production after signing his first real NHL deal.
So standings-wise, I believe that Edmonton will take the top spot in the division, followed by their province rival Calgary Flames. And the last team to make it into the playoffs from the Pacific is going to be the Vegas Golden Knights. LA will land on the fourth spot and just miss the playoffs. Vancouver takes the fifth spot in the division, while Anaheim will improve from last year and finish on the sixth spot. Seattle will take the seventh spot and the last spot in the division will go to San Jose Sharks. I just don't believe that the Sharks will succeed with only one line, especially if injuries hit the team in the middle of the season. And while many see LA as a playoff team, I have my doubts about their goaltending and that's why I have them outside of the playoff picture. If they make a real push for the playoffs by adding to their current roster, they are the last team to make it to the playoffs, but otherwise, I believe that five teams from the Central will make it to the postseason this year. Next on the board we have the Central Division and this year once again the fight for the available playoff spots is going to be fierce. Where most teams in the division have a real chance of reaching the postseason excluding the tank battalions, Coyotes and Blackhawks. But we will kick the Central off in an alphabetical order and the first team under the microscope is going to be the Arizona Coyotes whose number one target for the season is Connor Bedard without any questions. Team is once again in a turning cycle where the roster is in total shambles while they await for their top prospects to develop four roles on the NHL level. That's been their MO for multiple years now and nothing concrete has come out of that. So how long are they going to tread water before actually becoming noteworthy franchise on the next level is a great question to ask. It seems like year after year they are in exactly the same situation they were the year prior. Where they're heading is in doubt, roster reminding a minors team. And as the new addition, you can add to that equation their entire arena debacle and you start to get where I'm coming from. Like it's even hard to grasp the incompetence behind this organization and the more I just look at their roster, the more nauseous I start to feel because that's nowhere near the level at least I would expect an NHL team to be. Yeah, you can say that they have good prospects coming up their ranks to save this dumpster fire of an organization, but that has been their talking point for years now, so when is it really going to happen? I'm just asking for a friend. Jake as well, who was their first pick in 2016 draft, is on his way out. And I don't know how long Clayton Keller is willing to watch this drama before he turns in his trade request. Guess I feel like he would like to win at some point as well. Well, nevertheless, they are going to hang around the bottom five this year and aim for the best odds for the upcoming draft. Chikrin, Timmins and Schmaltz are currently the notable names out of their lineup and expect to see lots of young faces in their lineup this year again and Clayton Keller to take the scoring title if injuries don't prevent that from happening. When it comes to breakout star, I would have mentioned Connor Ingram in this segment, but as I go through their roster once again, I expect tough nights for him and therefore leave him out for now, so let's say Barrett Hayden finally puts up respectable numbers this year and makes their scouting staff look that much better after a few years of doubting. I also hope that Yusuf Alimaki is finally able to make his impact on the NHL level, so he's my runner-up for this honor, while expectations for Matias Macelli have also grown after his debut season in Arizona last year. And by the way, don't act surprised if Nick Ritchie puts up a good total this year and gets dealt to a contender at the deadline at the latest. But another miserable season inbound for the Yotes, and let's just hope that Bedard doesn't end up there, please God. Guess his future will be cursed if that happens to be the case. Next up, we have the other bottom feeder of this division, the Chicago Blackhawks, and although their roster is a tad bit more NHL competent, a major surge in the standings is not expected out of this bunch either. And at this point, I have to feel sorry for Seth Jones, who just left another team for a brighter future, and ended up becoming part of a team that is even further away from the postseason than his previous team. Well, at least he earns 9.5 million per season for the next eight years, so his income is at least secured for the foreseeable future. Last year, they ended up finishing in the seventh place, 11 points ahead of the Yotes, but this year again, 
a bottom finish is the expectation and a total rebuild is upon them before the season is completely over. All that is left from their Stanley Cup runs is the combo of Taves and Kane, but I can guarantee you that those guys will be elsewhere once the postseason rolls around. Therefore, Bedard would fit in the bill in Chicago and boost the future outlook for the team overall since they have some exciting prospects coming up, which will assist him in making this franchise competent again. So the hope is that they get to evade any spotlights that won't mention names Taves, Kane or Bedard given their history, which was brought up from their championship years and which resulted in mass resignings from the organization. But overall it's going to be an intriguing year for the Hawks in a sense that they are certainly going to acquire lots of assets for the future, so the returns for both Taves and Kane are going to be the main talking points around this team this year and which their destinations will eventually end up being before the trade deadline closes. Last year Patrick Kane was their top scorer with 92 points in 78 games and since Alex Debringet manned the second spot with a 78 point total, they are going to see a new face on top of their scoring sheet this year and I expect that to go to Max Domi if he ends up finishing the season with the Hawks. Of course Kane could rack up a total that won't be broke before he moves on, that's totally possible, so just to be sure I'ma add Seth Jones's name on this list as well. When it comes to breakout star, there's a lot to choose from since many guys are going to see more ice time than ever before in their careers, so my nominations go to Taylor Radish, Philip Kurashev and Lucas Reichel. Once Reichel makes their NHL lineup, he will put up a respective point total and climb up the Calder ranking because of it, while Radish and Kurashev are guys that should see some top 6 minutes and therefore rack up decent numbers alongside Andres Athanasiu, Domi, and their top guy Patrick Kane. But seriously, don't expect to see plus 60 point seasons from any of these wildcard names. And that is pretty much the run through of this cliff diving franchise. Next up, last year's Stanley Cup champion, the Colorado Avalanche. The Avs, as you could imagine, head to this season as one of the favorites thanks to their recent cup run and while the roster saw some major changes this offseason, most of their core stayed intact and enables the Avs to challenge for another cup this year. Only concern currently for them is Gabriel Landeskog's injury, which will keep him out of their lineup somewhere along the lines of 12 weeks, so that could hinder their performance to a certain extent, but otherwise, this team is capable of repeating their last year's success and many, me included, have them as the biggest favorite to win the cup, although it being a Pretty blend statement. From last year's cup winning team, Nick Albekubel, Darcy Kemper, Andre Purakovsky, Nico Sturm, Jack Johnson, Nazem Kadri, and Ryan Murray ended up leaving the city. Meanwhile, Alexander Georgiev and Evan Rodriguez were added to replace few names on the roster. So one could say that the turnover rate this offseason was quite large for them, but the team still has impressive level of depth on their lineup and even though Burakovsky's and Kadri's departures will hurt the team, I believe that new players will step in to fill those vacancies on their roster. And I mean, Rantanen, McKinnon and Makar is still one of the league's elite trios, and I really believe that the Avalanche's Finnish goalie wizard, Jussi Parakkila, will make most of Georgiev's potential and develop him to a high-end starter on the league-wide level. He's known for such accomplishments and therefore I wouldn't worry too much about their crease, since Georgiev has already showed what he's capable of on the NHL level and now his game just needs fine tuning. And you also gotta remember that he's playing behind one of the league's best blue lines, which has done wonders to their previous netminders, so you should calculate those odds concerning this individual as well. But all in all, Cup hangover will have its effect in the early season, but once the tempo rises around the All-Star break, expect this team to start to heat up and cement their spot in the postseason, if they haven't done so already. Last year Mikko Rantanen was their top scorer with 92 points in 75 games, and I expect that to be the case again this year, where their top duo will record over 100 point campaigns each. Makar should be close to the 90 point mark as well, but that shouldn't surprise anyone at this point. Breakout candidate wise, 
Last year, I had Bowen Byram as my Calder favorite. And while leaning on that thought, I'm going to say that he's really going to make a name for himself on the NHL level this year, if last year's postseason run wasn't enough for the doubters. I also expect to see a major increase in Georgiev's numbers, so those are going to be my guys for breakouts this year, while Alex Newhook will slowly adjust to his future spot on their second line and record decent numbers in his first full NHL campaign. Expect their power play to be in the top 5 this year, and don't act surprised when you see this team clinch their home advantage right after the All-Star break. Next team on the block is going to be the Dallas Stars, and if their last year's playoff spot secured Jim Neal's income for this season, I can safely say that the pressure hasn't disappeared anywhere for this year either, quite contrary. They were fairly active in the offseason, and while working out deals with their RFAs, they were also able to add names to the roster, which will certainly benefit them during this new campaign. Mason Marchman, Colin Miller, Will Butcher, and Niels Landquist were the big additions, while Vladislav Namesnikov, Alex Radulov, Andrei Segera, John Klingberg, and Michael Ruffle ended up leaving Texas during the offseason. Marchman especially was a major steal in the offseason and his physical playstyle will bring additional grit to their top six, which was needed and while many questioned the price they gave up for Lundqvist, I wouldn't be that hostile about it since he possesses real offensive upside and I can only hope that he finds playing time in Dallas, which wasn't the case in his previous address in New York. Overall, the Stars are a very interesting team to watch, since now the pressure will mount on the shoulders of Miro Heiskanen, as he needs to step up even more offensively in the absence of Klingberg, while the expectations for Ottinger only grew after his out-of-this-world performance in the playoffs. In addition, what can we expect from a healthy Tyler Sagan this season, and is Jamie Benn still able to record another plus 45-point campaign, or has his decline already started on that front? Because, I mean, they have really capable lineup which should challenge for a playoff spot this year again, but real off years have created a dark cloud around this franchise, which doesn't seem to go away, but if everything clicks for this team, they shouldn't be counted out of the top spot competition in my mind. It means that Ottinger has to keep his momentum going to be one of the top goalies of this league, Hinsa Robertson must hold on to their offensive numbers, and Heiskanen has to take his next step towards Norris' conversation, but I think those are not impossible goals to achieve. I have high hopes for this team, but we'll see if last year was just an exception, and this team will start to tumble down the table as many currently fear. Last year Joe Pavelski was their top scorer with almost point per game pace, but this year I think that newly signed Robertson will take that crown and record his first plus 80-point campaign on their first line. Breakout-wise, they don't have that many options now that Robertson, Hintz and Ottinger are pretty well-known NHL players, thus underappreciated ones. But if I had to choose, I would say that Todd Delandria will finally cement his spot on their top four lines. But I'm not expecting huge point totals from him thanks to their top six heavy offense, and his defensive playstyle. I also expect to see respectable numbers from both Nils Lundqvist and especially Mason Marchment to continue where he left off in Florida. So those are the names that I'm going to follow this year in Texas. As a hot take, I'm going to be bold with this one and say that Ottinger will be top 3 in Vesna voting this season. He will take the Stars to the playoffs, but I don't feel like he has what it takes to take home the trophy yet, but that will come in the future, I have no doubts about that. But that is going to be my take, I really like his game and believe in his upside, so please Stars defense, enable that to happen. On to our next team, which will be the Minnesota Wild. First off, what comes to your mind expectations-wise, when someone mentions to you the Minnesota Wild? For me, the first thought is a playoff team. And that probably is because they've only missed the playoffs once since year 2012. That is going to be the expectation again this year, since although they lost few pieces from their lineup this summer, their core is still strong enough to battle for the available playoff spots, 
while goaltending presents the biggest question mark attached to them. Their only off-season additions were Nick Petan, Andre Suster, and Sam Steele. Meanwhile, they had to let go of Kevin Fiala, Cam Talbot, Nick Bukestad, Nick Delorier, Jordi Ben, and Dimitri Kulikov due to their tight cap situation, which is only going to become even bigger issue for them in the following years. Kirill Caprizo was able to make his way back to US, which was a relieving factor on their part, but still some doubts are attached to this organization ahead of the new season. Main ones being where the secondary scoring comes from and does Flowers start to show even more signs of aging than he did last year. After all, they lost 85 points in Fiala this summer and Fleury's performances in both the regular season as well as the playoffs left us hoping for much, much more. Now Talbot is gone from their net, who played most of their regular season games, so how strong of a tandem the Gustafsson flurry really ends up being. Those are big questions in my mind, and partially the pressure will amount to their young bucks, Baldy and Rossi, as well as their backup Philip Gustafsson, who I estimated to elevate his game in Minnesota this year, but the initial signs are not that promising, unfortunately. Despite their woeful start to the season, I still believe that they will make it to the postseason, but how far they will be able to go is a thing on its own. Hartman's case is an intriguing one since before last season, his highest point total was 35 points, and right after the arrival of Kaprizov, the guy exploded to record almost a double of that amount. So was last year's total just a one-year thing, or does he have that kind of production in him? is my point, because that will matter on some level. Their defense isn't something that I'm concerned about since they've been known as one of the league's best defensive teams in the past, but more so their productivity is the thing that most concerns me, given that they just lost over 80 points from their roster. Eriksson Ek was able to raise his total last year, but that still needs to improve if they aim for the playoffs, and pretty much same goes with Boldy, who flashed his talents last year. Meanwhile, Kirill will be their number one scorer this year yet again. And when it comes to my breakout star, Matt Boldy is the obvious answer. And since he was my pick for last year, only thing I can say is that he's going to wow some people this year with his output. 65 points is where I would aim, and surely their GM Garin has accounted that to their offseason moves, as he was forced to let go of Fiala, so hopefully Boldy is able to fill that void in their top six. Kalen Addison's presence is another intriguing aspect since he was my other candidate last year, but since he didn't really make his mark on their lineup last year, I expect him to take home a bigger role on their blue line and establish his presence as one of the future offensive blue liners in the league. Cautious optimism also surrounds Marco Rossi, who had a great preseason but has yet to make his mark this year. But as years move on, I expect him to step into their top 9 and record decent numbers alongside their other offensive options. I wouldn't necessarily say that he's going to take the Calder, but he's certainly going to be in the conversation at the end of the regular season, but we'll see if he ends up catching fire. Overall, it's going to be a really interesting year for the Wild since the cap situation will only worsen in the coming years, so they have to make crucial decisions regarding their future this year. And therefore, success needs to be on the forefront if they aim to keep this band intact and stay relative in a tough central division. Next, we head to Smashville, which by itself is another intriguing case study, which for many overperformed during last year's campaign. This summer they made few adjustments to their roster in order to compete for another playoff spot, and the major additions from the offseason included Ryan McDonough, Kevin Lunkinen, Jack Sanford, and Nito Niederreiter. Meanwhile, Matthew Oliver, Philip Myers, Luke Koonin, David Riddick, Matt Benning, Nick Cousins, Ben Harper, and Connor Ingram packed their bags and headed to new locations. These additions, in my mind, scream Nashville given their defensive nature, and it's gotta be said that this year again I anticipate this team to be a sneaky team that is going to win games with elite goaltending and strong own and presence. Add to that three lines that can score, and you have a pretty strong foundation for another run at the Stanley Cup. 
Of course, last year they faced Avs in the first round and like Daryl Sutter said, it ended up being a waste of 7 days. But on the hindsight, they were missing Yusasaros from their crease which certainly affected the outcome to a certain extent. But still, it showed that they were then far from the elite of this league but what's the situation this year is another question on its own. So as you noticed, the core pretty much stayed intact and the additions of McDonough and Niederreiter will be extremely beneficial for the team in the long run. And these are exactly those guys who do the dirty work in the shadows, but are extremely valuable for the teams they play. McDonough's contract will become a burden for them in 1-2 to two years, but they have set their eyes for the upcoming postseason, which also shows in their offseason moves as well. Their goaltender is in his prime, top players are reaching their peaks before the slow decline, and defense without questions is one of the most stacked in the league, so what's there not to like about this squad? One could say that they are missing a real impact center and that's a fact, but they got depth in the center spot and sneaky scoring options all over the lineup. So if they just manage to produce this year again, we are going to see the Preds in the cup hunt yet again this year. Can both Johansson and Duchesne repeat their last year's performance will matter for this team, but if Philip Forsberg ends up staying healthy, I think the worry amongst their fans should diminish by that much, while Yossi will have himself another plus 80 point campaign, and I'm pretty confident about that. I'm still waiting for Forsberg to unleash his offensive beast in the league, which might be a lost cause on my part, but still, I believe that he will record a career-high total this year and lead the team in scoring. And I mean, if I picked Yossi, would it be as exciting as Forsberg finally taking the lead offensively? My answer is no, so I'm going to go with that one, but wouldn't be surprised if Yossi grabbed himself another inner scoring title. When it comes to breakout candidate, I'm going to put my blue and white glasses on and bet that it's finally Eli Tolvanen's year and he will put up career high point total and make his mark on their top 6. 23 points is what he has to beat, so that's a guarantee almost. And if he manages to notch 20 tucks this year, it would be very beneficial for the team as well. As a hot take, I'm going to say that Nino Niederreiter flourishes in his new environment and puts up plus 60 points this year, which eventually breaks his season record. I really liked his addition to their squad and believe that he will fit like a glove to their top 6 and take some offensive load from Duchesne's and Johansson's shoulders. Saro should be amongst the best goaltenders in the league stat-wise this year again, and that's exactly why I see this team in the playoffs after the regular season is in the books. But now though, we head to another contender who is facing big decisions this season, contract-wise, and that is the St. Louis Blues. Once again, you can't go wrong by picking this team for the playoffs. No cap. The good old Blues haven't changed that much since last year, and it might be the last time we see this group together chasing after the big one. And guys, please don't make it gay. They added dead pieces such as Noel Achari, Matthew Highmore, Martin Ferk, and Dimitri Samorukov to their roster. Meanwhile, Thomas Kreis was added to replace Husso in their crease. But I can say with confidence that that ain't going to happen, champ. He might be the backup, but don't expect similar numbers from Kreis. Husso, Dagota Joshua, David Perron and Klim Kostin decided to head elsewhere, but besides Perron, their core pretty much stayed the same and therefore I have full belief in them postseason-wise. Both O'Reilly and Tarasenko will become UFAs this summer, so that is going to be their focus number two after the Stanley Cup. And Binnington needs to stay healthy. Inconsistency has to be his middle name if they aim to grab home advantage for the playoffs. Otherwise, I don't feel like we need to speculate too much about this team since the old guard knows what it takes to go far in the playoffs and their young bucks bring speed and energy to their game, which will be the balancing factors in their game. Defensively extremely solid, top three lines can all contribute offensively, and special teams should be up there, so the only question is in goal, and what kind of Bennington are we going to see this year? Marcus Candela, Tyler Pitlick and Scott Perunovic are currently the names on their LTIR, 
And it was unfortunate to hear about Perunovic's situation since I had really high hopes for him this year after a relatively impressive run for the Blues in the playoffs. Scoring-wise, last year Tarasenko really bounced back after a few injury-riddled seasons and won their inner scoring race, but I have a sense that the other Russian, Pavel Bushnevich, will take the scoring title this year. When it comes to breakout candidate, currently I don't see many options appearing thanks to their veteran presence, but I could see Jake Neighbors making his mark on the NHL level if he ends up staying there for the full season. And I would also like to see Joel Hofer in their crease this year. So those two will be my options for the breakout candidates. As a hot take, I'm going to say that Binnington returns to his elite form and is in the Vesna conversation once the regular season is over, which would mean that he's in the top 5, so in other words, I cut some slack for myself on that one, but I just won't see them missing the playoffs, and since Thomas and Cairo have pretty much established their presence on the NHL already, there wasn't too much to choose from skater-wise, and we have to settle for that one. Hopefully it suits you, or if not, let me hear about it in my DMs, that's the place for all the love you want to send me, but I digress. Last but not least, we have the Winnipeg Jets who have been one of the talking points around the league, so we might as well head to see what's their current status and have they cleared out the air enough to make a run for the available playoff spots this year. Let's go check it out. So as it has been rumored, the harmony inside the Jets locker room, let's say that it has been a bit off according to sources for a couple of years now. And finally, their front office has started to address that issue given their last year's collapse in the regular season. Blake Wheeler was stripped out of his captaincy and the team is currently scouting for a new skipper for next year. So all volunteers may line up in front of Kevin Sheveldayoff's office. David Riddick, Carl Cabobianco, Saku Mänalainen, Sam Gagne, and Axel Jonsson Fjellbu were the offseason additions, while Eric Comrie, Zach Sanford, Paul Stasny, and Yevgeny Svechnikov headed for greener pastures. They finished in the sixth spot last year and ended up missing the playoffs by eight points, so even though last year's performance was a major disappointment, they weren't too far from the playoffs so it at least gives some hope for this upcoming season. After all, they have a very skilled lineup which holds one of the most underrated first lines in the league, and defense that has variety and toughness, while also you gotta remember that Connor Hellebuck is still guarding their crease, and if I was a gambling man, I would place my money on his comeback after a somewhat miserable season stat-wise. And it's gotta be said that he needs to be good if they want to see any action after the regular season, since Riddick is like Stevie Wonder playing Fruit Ninja in the blue paint, so I think you can count the success rate of that in the meantime. They currently don't have any lingering injury issues, but if injuries start to occur, they might be facing an uphill battle given that their depth options pretty much consist of more defensive options and therefore won't necessarily make a change in their top 6 if assigned to one of those spots. That is the concern in my eyes, and also alongside Hellebuck, their defense has to be better since on paper they have very solid decor, but on the ice that hasn't really translated, so if that ends up being the problem this year again, expect to see some changes on the roster front in order to fix that problem. Last year Kyle Connor was their top point getter by a large margin, and I expect that to be the case again this year, but Mark Scheifele could challenge him this year since I feel like he really wants to prove his worth for the organization and that he belongs to team's leadership group going forward. But overall, I see their top 6 options increasing their totals from last year cohesively, which should enable them to fight for a playoff spot in the top central division. And when it comes to breakout candidate, there's really one option and that is called Perfetti, who really looks to be ready for prime time, and I expect him to notch solid numbers in his first full NHL season. He will be one of the best dishers in the NHL in the future, so write down his name if you want to enjoy some nice cookies. And since I'm such a Perfetti fanboy, I might as well link my hot take in here as well, since I'm going to say that he's in the top 3 in Calder voting this year. And of course, I'm not saying that Calder is completely out of his reach, but... 
Since he has some stiff competition ahead of him, I'm just going to settle for a podium finish. But standing wise, I see the Avs taking the first place in the central, Blues finishing second and Dallas grabbing the third spot. Nashville takes the first wildcard spot and the last team to make it into the dance is going to be the Minnesota Wild, just ahead of the Winnipeg Jets. They will finish in the sixth spot and the last two remaining teams will be the Hawks and the Yotes in that exact order. Extremely intriguing NHL season is now underway and I hope that these two episodes gave some insight of the action you are about to witness. In next week's episode I will publish my trophy and Stanley Cup favorites but just so that I can get you come back next week I'ma tell you that the teams that are going to be in the top 4 this postseason are the Rangers, Oilers, Avalanche and the Penguins in a random order. So there's a teaser for you for next week. But besides that, I'm pretty much done with this week's episode. I really do hope you enjoyed these episodes because I poured my heart and soul into making of this. And therefore, if you have any comments on these two walkthrough episodes, go leave a comment on my social media. And while you're there, go check out the pages and press the follow button. I will greatly appreciate it. Guests finally coming on to the show in the following week, so stay up to date with my posts so that you don't miss those episodes. But other than that, I thank you for your presence and wish to see you next week. I'm signing off for the day. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. Alright.